the for the Houston Astros. It's not always about they, that team that has the biggest salary cap or salary bill, and that's probably the LA Dodgers and the Yankees. Although the Yankees, Yankees have always like two hundred million. Yeah, well, the socks, the socks go, the socks go in cycles because obviously I'm wearing my Red Sox shirt. The socks go in cycles. Um, I didn't even notice. Didn't you? No. Huh. Didn't the socks, the socks go in cycles <laughs> where they, um, they, they're quite good at talent identification, but then they lose a lot of guys. Like, yeah, they they can't hold on to some of their best talent who just get snapped up by some of these bigger teams. Like, um, baseball, I. I I'm a massive ice hockey fan, you know that, NHL. Yeah, yeah, I know that. And yeah. the reason why I love the NHL, and I've talked about this many times on, on the show, the reason why I love it is because of the hard salary cap. you got, you know, $80 million for a team um, that is hard. So you go over the salary cap, you start losing draft picks, you start losing points in the competition. So it means a very fair competition from year to year. No teams can stack players, and um, you get what you get a constant cycle, right? Now you think about, um, let, let's just use a, a random number, four superstar youngsters that you bring onto your team, right? You unearth them maybe in a junior system or, or the, you know, through the draft and you get four absolute superstars. Now for the first year you get to pay them 950000 It's a rookie contract. Um, that is the maximum they're allowed to be paid. Then they go on to their first contract and now generally that first contract won't be enormous because they're only one or two years in the league. There's no, I guess, proper proof of whether they're going to be a, a long superstar. So you, you get them on, yep. you know, a couple of mil. And then when you get to that next phase, right, so they've been in the league now for three or four or five years, now you've got to pay them big money. But what is big money in the NHL? Uh, an average, the, the highest paid player at the moment, average salary, I think is $13 million a year. One three. One three million a year. Million, which is which is this would be the smallest pretty much of the four um, American sports. It would be by far the smallest um pay because it, it is the smallest sport so of the so four. The NBA rookie contracts like four million a year, isn't it? NBA oh, I'm not rookie sure contracts what, oh, about I don't think it'd be too far. But see the NBA doesn't have a hard salary cap. They've got the luxury tax. So you go over the cap and all of a sudden you just gotta you just gotta pay money on, on you know, to the league basically to to say that we're Oops. gonna Oops. if it goes too far I'm pretty sure they get penalized. But the, yeah. theirs is like a uh, they call it a soft cap. Same with the NFL, and there's almost nothing in the MLB. But just going back to those youngsters, so what makes the NHL so fascinating is you have, let's say, these four youngsters, and they get to an age now where you're starting to get a team that's starting to fly high, they've been around for a couple of years and they've built perfectly. But now those four players are demanding money that probably means you can't keep all four of them. So you actually, you, it's sort of, the salary cap is fascinating in the NHL because there's so many moving pieces and how much you can afford and what you need to pay someone. And you've got to surround those young guys, obviously, with, with older guys who are more experienced. So building a cup team in the NHL, quite often it's very hard to build a legacy franchise. Now, the Blackhawks and the Penguins got close. They won like two or three titles over the course of seven or eight years. But but then the, the, they became some of the worst teams in the NHL because they had to move on from those high-paid players. Do you get compensated for developing talent in no, the NHL? No, and that's, and that's the argument I'm sort of making. You can bring a guy up, and when he becomes a superstar, if you don't pay him, you know somebody else is going to pay him, and you can't hold on to him. So it's it's this constant rotation of you know teams going being being really, really good and then going back down towards the bottom, and then that other team's now drafted really well, and it's just sort of that the whole time. And the teams that do it really well, the Bruins are a team that have done it very well, where they don't their whole philosophy at the Bruins is we don't pay generally we don't pay high on talent, we pay on longevity. So the longer you you're with us, the more you're going to get paid. So sometimes their best their, their highest paid players aren't their best players. It's just the guy that's been there for eight or nine years to they reward the loyalty. And they've just built it they just build a team that's well rounded. Unfortunately, it means they've only won one Stanley Cup in twelve years. But if you look at Tampa, 
right, who went back to back, had all the superstars, or they don't pay tax in Florida, or they pay very little tax, so they were able to cook the contracts a little bit more. Now they're starting to slide because they've been unable, as as their players have grown and gotten better and wanted more money, they haven't been able to pay them. As a purist, and I suspect you are a purist when it comes to the NHL, does it seem weird when you have teams like Tampa, LA, and Las Vegas with ice hockey teams? Well, well, or is that just a, a, I don't, I don't an mind involvement? T- that's probably like an American probably answer that question. I, I don't mind where they are. Okay. Like, I love I love some of the brands. The Vegas one is is interesting. Like a lot of controversy around the Vegas because. Whenever there's an expansion team in the NHL, what they do is they go through the other 31 teams and they say everyone is allowed to protect, um, I think it's 10 skaters, so you can have seven um, attacking, three defensemen, or you can do a 6-4 split, or you have to protect the goaltender as well. Everyone else goes into a pool that, that, that Vegas gets to pick from, basically. So that ensures that the team is competitive off the bat. Now imagine if the NRL did that. Imagine if the NRL, when the Dolphins came in and said, right, every team gets to protect, let's say, eight players, and then the rest are all going to go into this pool that the Dolphins can pick from. They would get the ninth best player essentially on every team's roster to make them a little bit more competitive than just picking up the scraps. The argument there, though, as people are saying with Vegas, is there's teams that have tried to build over 20 years that have never won a title, like you know Winnipeg and these sorts of ones. Vegas was basically hand-gifted a semi-decent team. They did very, very well, um, and they've won a cup within five or six years. Some people don't see that as like organic. You know, They haven't had the years of struggle and having to build. They've just basically overnight success, but... <laughs> They still had to win. Do they, they care? They, they won the still, cup. They still had to win. They still had to, and the NHL is extremely tough to win. I, I want to talk about um, <clears throat> after we do the tab. I want to talk about the idea of a draft. Come back to that draft for the NRL. Yeah, no, yeah, because I think it's, I think it's and, and Super Rugby as well. They need, yeah. Mm, that's another story altogether. One thirty-two. 1.34 on a Friday afternoon, the 20th of October, as we head in towards a long weekend, wherever you are, and particularly if you are on the road, please just take your time and, and be patient. I know sometimes there are some idiots on the road, but uh, you want you and your families to get there safely. Uh, just a bit of a TAB update. With uh, Don't forget to download the TAB app and uh, bet responsibly. It's R18. Just the NPC final tomorrow. Taranaki against Hawks Bay. It's Taranaki. They are red hot. They are at 162. The draws are 20 and Hawks Bay at 2.35. On the uh, the margins, Taranaki 1-12 to for 2.80. Taranaki 13 plus is 3.30. Hawks Bay 1-12, to 3.40. And Hawks Bay 13 plus is at $6. Now, in the Kiwis versus uh, Tor Samoa test, the second week of the Pacific Championship, the third game in the triple header at Eden Park tomorrow, New Zealand's poof, 112 and Samoa at 6. I think they've been really generous to New Zealand. Though. I think I think Samoa come out hot and maybe put the wind up them a little bit. Uh, I like some of these ones. Uh, New Zealand to lead at 20 minutes, 170. These are power plays. New Zealand to win both individual halves at 180. Uh, How about this one, Sam? The first three tries of the match are all converted at 210. And Stephen Crichton, who's playing in the unfamiliar position of 5'8", six-plus points at $2.10. First three tries of the match are all... Okay, I'll tell you what. You know, we we love our rugby league, right? I'm saying the first try goes to Jermaine Asako, and it's out... Obviously, it's out wide. Mm. Out wide, in the corner. Excuse me. You're welcome. Were you um, <laughs> were you not listening to Anthony Gelling yesterday? Yeah. Who who I thought hit the nail on the head. When it comes to international rugby, you league. don't see sorry rugby league. Uh, you. you don't see 
the sorts of tries that you see in the NRL, where often set plays give a, give find a player out wide uh, in the corner. You you get uh, you get up through the middle. That's what you get in yeah, international no, rugby league. And no, he's spot disagree, on. disagree completely. I don't care. But that's anecdotal. You you watch any international rugby league, and that's that's how the games are played. They're played up through the middle, and players score through the middle. That's generally how it happens. Very few of those tries get scored out wide. So I've been watching blind for twenty five. No, years. I'm just. Well, maybe you have. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk, okay, righty ho. Let's talk about an NRL draft. It's often talked now, about. Now, but quickly before we get to the NRL draft, how come you said the Super Rugby thing's anything different? Why wouldn't they be? Why wouldn't they be the exact same idea? Well, we haven't even discussed how we would do a draft. Okay, for let's a talk start. about the NRL draft. So, so a draft, as we understand in American terms, is always about new talent, mm-hmm. right? Yep. But I don't think there's enough new talent to have a draft like that in the NRL, is there? I think the way you'd do it is you would have players signed up to um, the New South Wales Cup teams or or if, if they bring back the Holden Cup or whatever it no, might be under 20s. Well, that, that's the only way it's going to work. It's the only way it's going to work. They'll, they'll work it off. The SG ball's under, under 20s. So it I is. Think SG ball's but, under, but so. the reason why, what you would have to do, it have to be a wholesale shift to what you've just talked about, unearthing younger talents. So if you instituted a draft, the Holden Cup would become a lot more relevant. And then you probably would get a lot more eyeballs and you would get a lot more money because people want to see the next person coming through is going to be the first pick. Now, I've talked about this a million times, once again referencing the American sports, because yeah. drafts create so much interest and hype, not oh, yeah. only about the emerging players, but it becomes a topic in and of itself. Who's going to draft who? Who's going to get the number one pick? And you have to do it. I think the way to do it is you do it like the NHL with the lottery. So if you finish 17th, you're not, you're not necessarily guaranteed the first pick. You are you, you get a higher it. percentage. No, 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 but you get a higher – so they it goes, balls go into a lottery, right? And if you're the last team in the NHL, you have um, – you have more balls in the lottery than the next team below you. Maybe you have one ball extra, then the sixth team has an extra. So you don't like the idea that's worked in the NFL where the last team gets no, the first pick? No, because then you, that encourages teams to tank. It encourages teams, if they're losing a season, to finish last, or if they're going into the last couple of games, to finish last. As someone suggested, the Tennessee Titans were last season. Yeah, so so what you what happens in the NHL, just to clarify that for you yes. quickly. So um, if you, I don't know the exact percentages, but if you finish last, you have something like a 40% chance of winning the lottery. If you finish second to last it's 36.3 if you finish third to last it's 34 and when it comes to putting the balls into the big tank in the middle depending on where you finish depends on how many balls now you might have one ball in that lottery you can still get the number one pick Stephen theoretically if yeah. they pick out your ball you would get the number one pick so it means that teams don't tank um, which I think is really really good but like I said interest around who gets the pick and who are they going to pick and what do they need and then you start trading picks and so a whole um, sub story develops yeah. around that and then that would make the the, the um, Holden Cup competition more relevant and so what, what my point was going to be is so you have them signed to certain clubs or, or whatever As so you might be playing for the Warriors Holden Cup team doesn't mean you're going to make the Warriors first team. It means you're in the Holden Cup team. When it comes to draft time... You're going to stop saying Holden. Well, it used to be called the Holden Cup. Yeah, so. But it's never coming back. Well, <laughs> yes, it is. No, under it's this. not. Why not? You tell me why not. Because it, because it was found out to be putting young men in a position where they weren't ready too soon. That's essentially okay. why it was canned. Well, 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 then why are we even having this conversation? If that's uh, your attitude, then no, why are we no, having a draft? Like, no, the hey, draft's going to put 20 times more pressure on them because you want to be the number, no, especially if you're the number no, one pick. No, no, but there are, um, we just, <laughs> there is a point to have them because I think there's still enough talent around. You've just got to be careful okay, yeah, no, how it works. But right? we're having two convos here. 
if you, if we do implement a draft like yeah. you're saying, how is there not going to be more pressure now on youngsters to be high in the draft than there is for playing in that under twenty competition I've just been talking about? It's it's a fair point. I think you're going to be obsessed with ha- where you are on the draft rankings. Yeah, but I think you've got they've also got to be very mindful. They they've got to be rules rules about putting kids in too soon. This is why I don't like Super Rugby, right? So if we go to Super Rugby, so we'll flip flip mm-hmm. to that. Well, actually, no. The other part of what needs to change with the NRL is contracts and how this whole you can start looking at them at November 1, right? So they're free agents at November 1, right? So Jerome Luai is probably the, one of the biggest names who has, re-signed, has signed with the Luttrell Mitchells agency, uh, knows that they're only going to offer him 800000 at the Panthers, so he's literally going to open the market, yet he's still got one more year to play, right? I, I struggle with that. I really struggle. I think you either you make your call, you, you, you can only make your call you shouldn't be able to make your call with a year to plan your contract. Well, no, the, yeah, the stupid thing with the NRL is that November 1 isn't for the next year, it's for the following year. Yeah. And that's stupid because then you have a whole bunch of guys playing for clubs that they're not going to be at the following year. And so, you know, they're playing under this Correct. whole, you know, and it doesn't really matter for guys, I guess, like Stephen Crichton playing for the Panthers, you know, because they're going to be winning. But if you're playing for a... a <laughs> the Tigers. A, yeah, correct. If you're playing for a crap team, then all of a sudden you're just sort of like... What you would give you up do? In a way. What would you do then just to change that? What's the simple answer to change that rule? Because no one seems to be able to come up with it. Well, I don't sort of know what. This is where I just think it gets overcomplicated. Like, why can't we just have rolling contracts all year round? I mean, you can have a deadline, you know, say week. 16, 17, where you can no longer sign players, which is what a lot of leagues do, right? They've got what they call the trade deadline. And that from that point on, no one is allowed to trade because, you know, you're moving towards the back end in the postseason. So you can have that in the arrow up to, let's say, round 18. Mm. That might be the, the deadline. And then from then on, no one signs for that year. But outside of those windows, players can move around whenever they want and however, for, for whatever, you know, whenever they want. Like we see in the NBA all Correct. the time. So yeah, you, one, minute, then, one minute you're in Dallas, next minute you're in LA. And then we talk about, um, though, you know, we've just talked about the draft, about the stories that creates. Well, think about all the stories this creates with trades and the conversations and the rumours. And if we go to a salary cap thing as well, you know, who can afford this person? And so and so has asked for a trade, and who can afford him? And where would he fit in? It's just these are the conversations that make sport more than just what happens the eighty minutes in the middle of the field, and that's what it needs. So here's the thing that the, the here's the thing that stops me from thinking a draft is going to work. The size of the size of the competition and the number of talent players available. We're, remember, we're working off a country that's got three hundred million people and hundreds of thousands of sports people. Where we're looking at two countries now, you know, with a combined maybe what 25, 26 million people. Mm-hmm. Do we still think it works? Can make it work? Well. My, I mean, my attitude is something... It's a numbers game. I know it sounds silly, but it is a numbers yeah, game. Yeah, but I, I, th- I think that all of this still works regardless of the population size. The, the, the real um, thing for both codes, but more so rugby union, is like that something has to change. Because if they keep going how they're going now, they will lose fans. You know, rugby league is as popular as ever, but, but rugby union in particular is people dropping off and drive. So they need change. They need to think about how they make these things fresh, whether it is a draft system, whether it is, you know, some sort of trade system. I have the simple answer to this if you think Super Rugby's not working, because I don't think it works, mm. right? Get rid of it mm. and then turn your NPC into your Super Rugby. You and 99.9% of everyone, Stephen, the one, the 0.1% being New Zealand Rugby. 
Oh, I've, I've, I've had this conversation with a, uh, one of the leading lights, in, and they say, nope, not going to work. Not even yeah, thinking but about that's, it. But that's just because you've got franchises who won't want to give up that. But it's owned know, by New Zealand Rugby anyway. And, that, and, that, um, and all that sponsorship. But uh, you know, build it and they will come, is the old adage. You turn the NPC into what you want it to be, and in, in 10 years' time, you'll, you'll pack out stadiums oh, for, for these games. Because it's one thing, and the NFL proves it, you know? Tribalism. Yeah, parochialism. Tribalism in this country, provincialism, right? All those things that work. Hmm. So I'm not even going to entertain a draft for Super Rugby. I'm not even going to entertain it. Oh, no, I think I think a draft. Well, uh, uh, certainly, yeah. Super. Uh, don't get me wrong. Super Rugby is very broken. If it went to this NPC model, then I think a draft would be fantastic for yeah. it. But yes. Um, but you know, the point you raise about the youngsters and the pressure put on them is quite interesting because in America they clearly don't give two hoots about that, right? Like the whole putting pressure on youngsters. I mean, they're following these guys around when they're in high school. Yep. You know, you think about Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. You know, yeah. they're, they're full television broadcast when the guy's 15 years old. They just don't care about that. And in a way. They shot the some of them shine. A lot of them it gets too much and pressure, and you know yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of stories of, of how bad it gets. But at the same time, it's create it creates a pretty awesome product um, that clearly is successful. You know, in all in all four of their major sports. Also creates a lot of greed. Yep. Money, money, money. Also, just this quick text from uh, someone who says, read the NHL show cap, if there is a high turnover of middle-level players to other teams, isn't uh, this happening to all teams? How can cap still be held, or is there also a high attrition of older slash more expensive players? Um, look, you get very, very complicated with it, or at the end of the day, the, the organisations that... that um, that do this the best are the ones that have a mix of exciting youngsters that they're paying obviously low, the, the really good ones that they've bought through or they've purchased from other people that are on high salaries and a good mix of middle players who are on that that medium new salary and all of it adds up. So the, the, the teams that cook themselves are the teams that go, like the Bruins went all in last year, right? We knew we had a good core to win the cup, um, a couple of guys last season, so they went out and bought a couple of big guys, right? And they pumped that salary cap right up to the brim. We set records for the most wins in an NHL season, then we lost in the first round of the playoffs. What happens? Seven of those guys leave, some of them retire, Bruins have been completely gutted, and this year they might not make the playoffs, but that's the risk they took. They went all in. They spent all their cash, Stephen. Um, Nothing wrong with going all in sometimes. Well, you have you to must have had a great season no, no, to that you, first round. No, yeah, you, well, I did. I absolutely love it. No, but you, <laughs> you're right, though. You do have to go all in sometimes. Like Some teams do realise that they've got a very small window. Like Think of the Warriors, right? They've opened up this window in the NRL. They thought you know, the plan was sort of five years plus for Andrew Webster to develop, uh, build a development system, etc. This random window opened up where Sean has a career best year. The, the team's humming. Webster changes around. All of a sudden, we've got this two two-year window, last year and now this year coming, where Sean and Tor were probably on there last year, this the window's now. They go out and buy Roger. They go and splash, and they bring in Roger. They're, they're, at the, the end, they're right at the point of the salary cap because they want to try and bring something home this year. I'm, and if not, if not, we probably go back a couple of steps. I'm really nervous about Roger. We go back a couple of steps. Not anyway, we've got to take a break. Uh, okay, we'll take a break. It's 1.47. What's happening uh, coming up?